1: everybody, it is time to turn the page. Not only is the NHL returning, but this is Season 2, Episode 1 of That's... Kings to the Podcast. And uh, we're coming to you from the Luke Gagne Studios here in Southern California, where it is 80 degrees today on Christmas week. But enough of the weather and traffic. Dennis, kicking off Season 2. DB, what's up?
0: I can't wait for January 13th, John. Just can't wait. I think this is going to be a fantastic season, playing in the division, eight games against the Sharks. Eight games against Vegas, eight games against the Ducks. I think this is going to be a great watch for the fans. I can't wait for it to get rolling.
1: Yeah, it's super exciting, Dennis. It's like Christmas came early uh, with this announcement. And and there was a lot of talk over the final kind of 10 days leading into it. But, you know, then you had the doomsday uh, people out there as well saying the season was in jeopardy, which I never bought for a moment. But uh, regardless, it's behind us now. Everything's solidified. 56 games. We'll talk more about that. Uh, We have a fantastic guest today. Luke Robitaille. I mean, the guy doesn't need an introduction, right? But uh, you might be wondering, what was the deal with the name of the studios, Dennis? And there's a reason, okay? I went back and forth. I had like three or four players on my my list and I had to decide who was I going to name the studio after today. And I went with Luke Gagne because, look, he's the only other player spelled L-U-C that has ever been drafted by the LA Kings. And it's kind of a funny deal. Luke Gagne was drafted in the seventh round in 1994. So they hit pay dirt with Luke Robitaille. And I just, I wonder what what was the uh, conversation was with like with the scouts that day. You're late in the draft in 94 and you see this guy, Luke Gagne on the board. And you're like, yeah, we hit pay dirt with Luke. We're going to draft another one. And The weird thing is he never played an NHL game. Now, normally that disqualifies you, Dennis, because normally I like to pick these obscure Kings players. But I thought I would give a great trivia thing here for for Kings fans. So if they want to stump their buddies, um, of course, there's Luke Robitaille. So you just ask him, hey, the Kings have drafted two Lukes, Luke Robitaille and one other one that spelled it L-U-C. Who was it? Only the most... Diehard Kings fan would know about Luke Gagne, who was drafted back in 1994, because like I said, he never played for them. He did, interestingly enough, play four years in the OHL uh, for Sudbury, which, of course, is where Quentin Byfield uh, has been playing. So there is that. But and one other point, Dennis, uh, after his junior hockey career in the OHL, he went on to play one season. I hope you're ready for this. He went on to play one season for the Waco Wizards in the WPHL. Now, I have to tell you something. I was not familiar with the WPHL. So what did I do? I texted our good buddy, Brian Slagle, who the guy has gone to games yes. in leagues that I don't even know exist. Like they're not even secondary and, and, and tertiary leagues. These are like really deep leagues. Oh, really? And so I texted him. I said, hey, uh, Slagues, do, do you, have you ever heard of the WPHL? And did you know about the Waco Wizards? And I want you to predict what his response was. He owned part of the team. <laughs> that is that is a fantastic guess because he he did own a lot of different teams. But no, he said that he has some jerseys and some shorts uh, from them, which did not surprise me at all because oh. we've had him on the program before, and he has oh thousands and thousands. The guy has a house dedicated to just storing his hockey jerseys. I thought for once I was going to trump him, but nope. Waco Wizards. He knew who they were. He has a jersey. So there you go. I didn't, I didn't go as far as wow. to ask him if it was a Gagne jersey, but um, there you go. I was going to go with Craig Redmond. He was the guy that the Kings drafted in the first round of, uh, uh, of 1984, which is when Luke was taken. So Craig Redmond was taken in the first round. He only played 191 games in the NHL. I also thought about going with Tom Glavin. I thought that was too easy. Uh, you know, the pitcher for Major League Baseball. He was taken in the fourth round. People like to bring that up. No, those were too easy. So I went with the second Luke instead. Uh, but hey... Luke Robitaille, drafted in the ninth round by the LA Kings out of the Quebec League, uh, and he played 1431 NHL games, won a Stanley Cup, three tours of duty with the Kings. I mean, we could just go on and on. Uh, There was the game we talked about a couple weeks ago, Dennis, against the Atlanta Thrashers. Luke scored a hat trick, became the all-time greatest goal scorer in LA Kings history. So there's that. Uh, You want to do numerology real quick? Yeah,
0: it's too quick, man.
1: All right, so numerology. Of course, he wore number 20 in Los Angeles. He didn't always wear number 20. We'll talk to him about that. Uh, there are 11 players, Dennis, in in history, the history of the LA Kings that have worn number 20. And interestingly enough, there are two players that have worn that number after the first time that Luke wore it. So if you just look up Luke, you go, oh, his career was from 87 to 2006— So nobody has worn number 20 since 1987, and that's not true because, like I said, Luke left and he came back, right? He played with a number of different teams, and he had three stops here in Los Angeles. Uh, So while he was gone in the 96 to 97 range, two other players wore that number, and I was shocked by this because I didn't remember Ray Ferraro wearing number 20 in Los Angeles. Um, But I guess, there you go, the the little ball of hate, I think that's what they call him. Uh, That was Pavlovik. He's, he's something like that, though. They have a similar, yeah. similar nickname to Pat Verbeek. I'll look it up off air. Uh, the, the tiny ball of hate or something. So it's, it's a riff off of that. Um, but anyway, uh, 96 to 97, yeah, Ray Ferraro wore that number. And then interestingly, uh, of course, uh, Mark Hardy wore that number prior to Luke wearing it. Larry Playfair wore the number. And uh, Bob Pulford, who, if memory serves me correctly, uh, that is Dean Lombardi's father-in-law? Is that the, is that the connection?
0: Yes, that's correct.
1: Okay, so Bob Pulford, who was the coach and general manager, he was here in Los Angeles as a player as well, as well as the uh, Chicago Blackhawks. And there is um, more Kings trivia. Uh, There is a a lithograph that was created for the, I want to say it was the 30th anniversary. Yeah, it wasn't the 25th. It was the 30th anniversary of the Kings. It's called Time Out in Time. It's a beautiful lithograph, and it has all of the players kind of on the bench through the different years. Um, of, of the 30 years of the franchise, and uh, it's, a, it's a great piece. And Bob Pulford is, is one of the coaches that's featured there um, behind that. Uh, before we move on, though, DB, because we want to hurry up and we want, to get, uh, we want to get to Luke here in the second period. But before we do, I have some more jersey information for you. I want to give you a quick update on uh, a couple of shows ago. We had Kaliev on, and we were talking about the fact that he wants number 34 and how there would be a whole series of dominoes that would need to take place because – Kale <laughs> Clegg currently has 34. He wants number 10, uh, but Mike Amadio has that. So I was trying to broker a deal, get Amadio off of 10, get Clegg to slide into uh, 10, and then let uh, Kaliev have 34. So uh, what, here's what I found out. Amadio told me that he wore 19 growing up, but he couldn't get that when he went to junior. Um, so he went with 18. And obviously 18 is not available in LA because of Dave Taylor. So you go, well, hold on. How did he get to number 10 sure. then? Well, that's because... 10 was the first number that he wore in Ontario. So 18 is out. 19 is out with uh, Iafalo. So now the dominoes continue. So now I need to get a hold of Iafalo. I need to get him off of 19, uh, which frees that up for Amadio, which frees up 10 for Clegg so that 34 can be available for Kaliev. And uh, it, if you're not confused already, here's one more thing for you, DB. I just tweeted this out yesterday. The uh, The numbers were assigned for the LA Kings prospects with Team USA, and yes. Kaliev is wearing, uh, Turkot's wearing 15, so he's happy, but Kaliev is wearing number 28. Uh, so he's not happy, of course. Uh, I don't know that officially, I'm assuming. He's not happy because he wants to wear 34. It's, it, as he told us, he doesn't even have a backup number. It, it's 34, nothing. He's, he's all in on 34. So I guess if you ever go to Vegas with him and play roulette, you know he's 34. It's it. He's just going to put all his chips on 34. He doesn't even have a backup number. I have it all figured out, Dennis. I have it all figured
0: out. It's a lot of dominoes, John. I'm going to go buy a domino set after that.
1: <laughs> and you know what? You're going to remember this, Dennis. Mark my words. In two years from now, all of this will have played out. Kalia will be in 34. And then you will chirp me and say, "Bear, you were ahead of the game. You knew all of this. You predicted it. You, you, you worked it all out. And you will reference uh, season two, episode one. You will reference this, uh, this particular episode.
0: Now, you're great at archiving things, John. And You pull stuff out from Mayor's Manor from 2012 that I just I don't know how you do it, man. It's, just, this is it's the magic minute to me.
1: Well, if somebody has a question two years from now about numbers, I'm going to hit him with the link back to this program. Um, look, <laughs> uh, less of us, more of the guests. That's our motto here. Um, let's bring in Luke Robitaille. He, uh, he really doesn't need an introduction. He's a Hall of Famer. Hell, Dennis, he has a statue outside of Staples Center. That should tell you everything you need to know about who he is, and we look forward to Talking with Lucky Luke, number twenty, on the other side of the break. He'll be with us after this brief intermission.
2: This week at Macy's, get great deals on fashion and home essentials. Update your wardrobe with twenty percent off new spring shoes and sneakers, and twenty to fifty percent off fresh looks for him and her. Plus, transform your space with Lux Hotel Collection bedding now forty percent off. And Macy's Star Rewards members can earn on every purchase, except gift cards, services, and fees more at Macy's.com slash star rewards. Savings off sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply.
1: Welcome back. Second period. Kings of the podcast. And uh, as mentioned there at the end of the first period, our next guest really needs no introduction. Everybody knows him as lucky. We're talking about Luke Robitaille. Luke, welcome to the program. What's up, boys? How are you? Well, we're doing fine. Um, I guess right off the hop, what's taking you so long to get onto the show? And like I told you last time, you've never invited
3: me. So that's why.
1: <laughs> it's,
3: it, yeah, you can once, only uh, go somewhere when you get invited. True. You can't just barge in.
1: <laughs> okay. oh, it was an oversight on our part. Yes, it was. Uh, I worked to immediately correct that once you, once you brought that to my attention. Um, hey, look, uh, I don't know if you remember this or not, but right before you went into the Hall of Fame, you came on Mayor's Manor and we did a whole thing called 20 questions with number 20. So today in the second period, we're just going to do 20 minutes with 20 and it'll be a new take right. on things.
3: All right, good deal. <laughs> I can live with that.
1: Yeah. Uh, look, there's a lot of hockey, obviously, to talk about now. Things are exciting. But um, right off the hop, though, most important question, how's the wife? How are the kids? You know, it's been a rough 2020. Is everybody doing okay?
3: Yeah, everybody's doing really good. Thanks. Uh, you, we've been kind of uh, really staying like as safe as could be the mm-hmm. whole time. And uh, i think the key now is to not take anything for granted and keep doing it, even though, you know, we're kind of seeing a light at the end of the tunnel. It's still, I think the tunnel is still a little bit long, so we've got to keep being safe, and, uh, you know, we'll get through it, just like everyone else. How about you guys?
1: Same thing. Uh, we just, you know, we keep booking guests and doing shows, and uh, we're staying at home, so it's a good thing, I guess. Dennis and I are in, in separate buildings, so... That that's a I good I bought a
0: hot tub, so <laughs> that was one way to pass the, the time as
3: well. So. No concert for you, too, huh? No,
1: (laughs) no. I've I've actually streamed a few concerts, which is not nearly as exciting watching it from your living room. Regardless of how big your screen is, it's just not the same thing. But, you know, it is what it is. Like you said, uh, if the family's safe, everybody's happy, everybody's healthy. Uh, You know, Christmas is upon us. And I'm just curious, your new pop figure came out a couple of months ago. Is that what you're giving everybody for Christmas this year, a little Luke Robitaille pop figure? You know
3: what? No, I haven't even gotten one of those. What? Now that you mentioned that, you're <laughs> right.
1: I, I got to at least get one. Man, Luke, you need to get your get your people on the phone with their people and uh, you need to get one of those things.
3: I'm going to get my people with their people and get it done. That's yeah, right.
1: For sure. Uh, how about the reverse retro jerseys? Those things were a big hit. They're sold out everywhere now. Uh, so yeah. be be honest. How many of your friends or even former players, how many people have called you asking if you can hook them up with a, a reverse retro jersey?
3: I've had about a dozen friends call to see if they, I could hook them up. And I'm like, guys, there's really, there's nothing left. You know, I was able to help a few friends early on because they literally, did, whoever, whoever emailed me the day of, like, you know, I was able to hook them up. But after that, it's been super hard.
0: Yeah. Are you surprised at the success? Uh, of this? This I would say of the, no. Was, I, I'll tell uh, you, I know, With respect I, I to think critics, it was at the top of the list.
3: Uh, well, I, we didn't know where we would be on, on the list, but knowing our fans, I'm not surprised that our fans liked it. You know, they love the logo, and we always hear that our fans want to see some of these colors back. And when Adidas came up with it, uh, you know, Kelly Cheeseman and and, uh, not as much myself, but some of the guys, they worked really hard on making sure it's something that, uh, you know, like the, the, the hardcore fans of the LA Kings would enjoy. And we thought that one, they would really like it.
1: Well, it's been. And,
3: a, and at the same time, our players.
1: Yeah, it's been a huge hit. Um, well, yeah. now, how about that? So, what, what's the plan? Is there an updated plan? The original plan was to wear it for two games this season, but now with 56 instead of 82, has there been any discussion at all about when these jerseys will be worn?
3: We just got our finally, like, know what the heck we're doing yesterday. <laughs> We haven't really had time to talk about the jersey. But if, if I were to guess, I would say we're probably sticking with two games. But okay. if we had the opportunity to maybe go a little bit more, we probably would. But I really don't know how at this point, guys.
1: Don't worry, Luke. We'll give you plenty of opportunity throughout the show to to break some more news. So don't worry about that.
3: Okay. I got no news on this
1: one. Sorry. Okay. All right. Well, we'll move on then. We'll move on. Um, Look, memorabilia is really important, um, but normally players don't realize that until after the fact. You hear guys say this all the time, you know. Oh, man, I really wish I would have saved more stuff during my career. When I was playing, I just... I was playing. I didn't think about it. You know, obviously, Gretz kept a lot of his stuff. But you kept a ton of stuff. And earlier this year, I think it was, you auctioned off a bunch of stuff. I'm just curious, what, yeah. what was the impetus for getting rid of all this great stuff that you had? I
3: cleaned my closet
1: <laughs> <laughs> during COVID.
3: You know, I've actually done it twice. And both times, it's really helped our foundation. Mm-hmm. So it's more like, a, you know, I went back to my brother and my sister and their kids. And then I went to my kids and said, what do you want? And they're like, I want all, you know, I want this stuff. I'd like to have this process to find and everything else. Like it's been in my, uh, in a storage room for like, you know, I don't know, like 15 years, some, some stuff for 20 years. And I was like, you know, if I'm not going to use it, I'd rather have someone that's a collector or someone that needs something have it. That's really what it was for me.
1: All right. So Kings of the podcast. go ahead.
3: Yeah. That's, I mean, literally like, all this stuff was either in a closet here. You know, during the pandemic, I've had time to clean up stuff, and then I had a storage room that I emptied, and I found all this stuff that I hadn't touched or even seen for years. So that's really what it was.
1: All right. Well, Kings of the Podcast is eventually going to build out a studio, Luke. So if you if you need to donate something to go on the wall for the studio or whatever, let us know, uh, and we'll Deal. we'll have a little I'll, Luke, Luke Robitaille section. I'll find something for you. All right. Just not a pop, though, because we know you guys don't even have those yet. So, I don't don't even have that. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. Um, Hey, look, I've always said there are different stages of being a Kings fan. It kind of depends on when the era was that you came into being a fan, right? There's the forum days, and you can chop that up even more. And then you have the early Staples Center, kind of the pre-Stanley Cup. Then you have the cup years. This year for COVID has been kind of similar, right? You had, like, March through May, and then you had the summer months. Now we're sort of into phase three, like you talked about, where there appears to be light at the end of the tunnel as we go into 2021. I'm just wondering how your life has changed at all, uh, you know, throughout 2021. We, we know you wake up every morning, you listen to Kings of the Podcast, and then and then what do you do all day besides clean closets? <laughs>
3: for us, look, you know, the clean closet was the weekend. But I think for us as an organization, we tried to as much as we could to take advantage of this situation. So, you know, we've always talked about, like, you know, we got to develop the, the, the young guys coming in. we really got to give them a chance. So we've worked a tremendous amount of time over the summer with them, whether it was like, a, you know, even with Zoom and so forth. And then, and then re, realigning even the entire organization internally. Uh, you know, just just going, you know, sometimes during the season and, and then the off season, happened, things moved so fast that uh, we had time to look at everything mm-hmm. and then say, OK, let, if you know, now that we have to, we didn't know how much time we we're going to have, but it gave us an opportunity to realign a, lot, a bunch of stuff that we think over time is going to make us better.
1: Now, Luke, this really is the best time of the year. I mean, putting COVID aside, it's, it's time for World Juniors. This is a really big deal. And, of course, probably lost on some people because you had such a long and distinguished NHL career. You actually played in this tournament back in 1986 for Canada. You had Jimmy Carson over on the other side for Team USA. I think U.S. beat Canada. I'm just teasing, Luke. I, I don't need you to correct me. I know Canada beat the U.S. in the round robin. Uh, yeah. Canada won silver. USA won bronze that year. And that was at a time when... USA wasn't winning a lot at the World Juniors. Here's my question, though. Do you remember what jersey number you wore because you didn't wear your famous number 20?
3: Yeah, I was 15 because that's why I wore my whole, uh, not my whole career before, but I wore it for maybe like five or six years in a row. I had number 15, so they gave me that number. I mean, that tournament changed my career, for sure, for me. In what way? It was, uh, well, you know, like I was lucky. So it's like, give you a quick story on this one. So. In the summer before, the year before, I had led my team in scoring, and, you know, I was a ninth-round pick, so I had, like, 150 points, but they didn't even invite me for the summer camp, and then the day before the camp started, they had, remember Stefan Richet that played for Montreal? Of course. So, he was invited to the camp, but he, he knew he was going to get make Montreal's team, so he didn't want to go to camp, so... Apparently he had a shoulder surgery at the last minute. So my coach Pat Burns at that time called me and he said, Are you in shape? This was like towards the end of July and I go I go, Yeah. He said, Well, if you walk, you got a spot to go to Team Canada summer camp. So I'm like, freaking right, I'm gonna go. So <laughs> I, I literally got on the plane the next day. I think it was my second time in my life on a plane and I had to go to Belleville. I think I landed in Toronto. I can't remember how I went. And it was it was the, the camp was seven days and we had seven scrimmages in a row and I was literally the fortieth guy invited. It was two teams of twenty. Wendell Clark was there, Shane Corson. There was a lot of great players. And after the seven scrimmages, I led all the whole scrimmage, all the team Canada and scoring. So they kind of had to reinvite me at Christmas. Wow. But but the, the funny thing about it is when I when I came to Christmas and it was all the guys there, it's like today. Most guys were first round or second round pick. The 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 day before the last cut, I'll never forget I had a meeting with our coach Terry Simpson. I'm looking in a room. This is pre-COVID obviously. We're all sitting there with two left wingers, two centers, two right wingers, and about four defensemen. Okay. And I get in the room. And, I, and, and the camp was about a week, and I had, like, sprained my ankle before camp, so I was struggling all week. And the coach says to me, he says, Luke, we like what you've, we've seen about you. We obviously really like your summer last summer. But he goes, we need a little bit more. We just need to see a little bit more. And I remember I, I walk out of the room, and I look next to me. I'm like, the guy, the other left-winger that was there, was, it, you you might remember him. His name was Dan Graden. He was LA Kings' first-round pick the year after I was drafted. And Dan Graden had made Team Canada the year before, and they won the gold medal. So I'm I'm going back to my room. I'm like, I don't have much of a chance here. The, the other guy that they're telling they need to see more, I already played for that team and won a gold medal last year, and I'm competing with him. So I'm like, man, that that's a lot of pressure. So the next day, I, I did the only thing I knew what to do to make a team. I got a hat trick. So they. They, they kept me, and they cut Dan grad which he was the first-round pick for the Kings. Wow. Even Craig Duncanson that year, the year before I was. So that was a real uh, career turnaround for me. It really helped me.
0: You've done everything possible a player could do. Like your highest scoring left-wing in the history of the game, Hall of Famer. But the time going to Detroit and winning a Stanley Cup, there have been a lot of great players in this game. That have never won a Stanley Cup. I can think of Jerome again at the top of the food chain, and uh, mm-hmm. he played some time here in Los Angeles. Like, how important? Like, what do you think that your legacy would be any different if you didn't have that Stanley Cup ring?
3: Well, I, I'm not. I, I, I guess I don't live on legacy and so forth. But I can tell you, for me to to have the opportunity to go and and, and I really thought with the Kings, we had a shot at the Cup that year. You know, like we we lost mm-hmm. against Colorado in Game Seven. And I thought we were one center away to winning. So I I really didn't think I was going, I was leaving the next summer, you know? And and then when I realized, I'm like, oh crap, I'm not going to sign. So I remember clearly looking because my kids were in school and so forth, trying to find a team on the West coast, knowing that my wife would probably have to stay in LA. And uh, at one point she says, well, you know, if it's not L.A., who's the best team, you think? And they had just signed Dominic Catholic. So I just kind of nonchalantly, I said, Detroit. She goes, well, why don't you try to go there instead? Because it doesn't matter, Luke. I'm going to have to fly to see you with the kids every week or every two weeks. So whether it's a two-hour flight or four hours. So we called Detroit, and it just happened that quickly. Like, it was like within an hour later, I would sign, and eh, eh. I think the biggest thing for me is I learned, like, how much it takes to win, you know, and I was able to bring it back, even as an organization, like, how much you need to focus and everybody needs to pull in the same direction when, when you really want to win. You can't just do things saying, oh, we're going to try to get better. We're going to try this. you got to mean it. you got to live. And I, that's what I learned the best. I mean, it was the greatest lesson for me to learn what it takes to win it all to bring it back here and the way we've kind of operated things behind the scenes for the organization.
1: Luke, sticking to the past a little bit before we get to the the current and even the future of the LA Kings, Um, a couple people I want to ask you about. First would be soon after uh, Dave Taylor won the cup with St. Louis. How how, how long was it before you reached out to him and and congratulated him?
3: He was on the ice and I texted him. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> wow that's awesome uh,
3: yeah, i was so very happy for him i mean he's he, been around forever he's he's a great person he's a great hockey person and you know i was very happy for him
1: he's also a better texter than you are luke by the way it, it takes you a while sometimes to get back to me on text but uh dave is very quick like within a minute he responds
3: is he really? Was well, because sometimes you'll text me when I'm in the meeting or something. <laughs> That's it's an important time, Luke.
1: Yeah. Oh, okay.
3: sorry. I'll try to go quicker next time.
1: All right, good. Uh, in the spring of, in a not-so-funny moment, um, in the spring of 2017, uh, the Kings, of course, said goodbye to Dean and Daryl. I'm curious. Have you talked to Dean Lombardi since then?
3: Uh, I've talked to Dean Dean a few times through text. Uh, I remember a few years ago when uh, they had the fire in his area. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, his response, well, I, you know, it's not me that started the fire because I stopped smoking. <laughs> so <laughs> Typical deed, you know, uh, I've talked to him a few times like that. And uh, I've seen Daryl here and there because, you know, is, uh, you know, he was around to see his son. And, sure. Uh, you know, and uh, so. All right. So we see him from when like before he, he went to last year. When he was in Anaheim, we didn't see him. But the year before, he
1: was he was around quite a bit. Yeah, and and he would you would run into him, I'm sure, in Ontario as well. Um, yeah, yeah. So we, I'm sure, because you listen to Kings of the podcast, you know about my love for Tomas Sandstrom. Um, and here's a connection. No, nobody wants to be blocked by somebody else on Twitter. However, Craig Muni blocked me on Twitter, and and I'm okay with it. I wanted to get why. You- Uh, He didn't appreciate my comments about the 91 playoffs when, um, you know, Muni and McTavish went after Sandstrom's leg. Of course, they broke uh, Sandstrom's leg. I'm sure you'll remember. It was Mm -hmm. one of the best series. You know, six games, Edmonton, L.A., uh, four games go to overtime, two games go to double overtime. But Craig Muni, in my opinion, was a dirty player, and I I didn't appreciate uh, what he did to Tomas Sandstrom. And instead of owning it, uh, he chose to block me on Twitter, and I'm okay with that. So did you
3: attack him on Twitter
1: or? Oh, I didn't attack him. I just gave my opinion of the of the series. And uh he, he he didn't appreciate it, so he blocked
3: me on Twitter. That's funny that he just blocked you like that.
1: I'm okay <laughs> I thought he with was that. a nice guy. He was a nice guy. Luke, you don't remember nineteen ninety one. He was not a nice guy. No, that was, that's, no that's,
3: I don't trust me, that we we didn't get along with any of the orders. I mean my my guys that used to come after me every game was Kevin Lowe and Jeff Bookable. Mm-hmm. These guys came at me hard every single game. So
1: Those were I the days, It Luke. was
3: not too bad, but those guys were dirty.
1: Yeah. Well, th- <laughs> those were the days. The Smythe division... Right. Uh, oh, yeah. Coaches of the Kings throwing sticks on the ice. It was fantastic. Um,
3: that was fun. Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, hey, look, um, my sources tell me that there's still a possibility. Obviously, it's, it's not even close to happening. It's not close to reality. But there is at least a possibility that if the covid cases can get under control here in the next couple of months, that the idea of playing outdoor games this season uh, in Carson is still on the table. It, it has not been ruled completely dead. I just I'm curious what you think about the idea of playing outdoor games there uh, in Carson.
3: Well, we you know obviously for us we'd love to have fans in the stands. So if, as an example, if we if if by that time we're not able to have fans inside Staples Center, it's certainly something we'd look at. We've talked with the league. I mean, there's there's a lot you know behind it too with the league. They want to make sure they don't dilute the outdoor kind of uh, right experience but at the same time if you have an opportunity to bring eight ten thousand fans and the show game it's certainly something we're looking at but you know i think it's pretty far away i mean yeah. even now you look at the amount of cases we have but but you're right we're not closing the door on it but you know there's still a lot of the first guy we got to convince is gary Bettman, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then after that we got to make sure it makes sense you know and it's And it's safe and everything is done right. But it's certainly, you know, it's not just something we've thought about, something we're looking at it. And if there was a chance to, you know, have our fans to have the opportunity to see the last whatever, whether it's 10 or 15 games and be outdoor, it could be a great experience. It could be a lot of fun.
1: Look, I sent eighty-seven text messages to Batman, telling him to make sure the season started after January eighth, so that we could the whole hockey world could pay attention to the World Juniors. So just text yeah. him a bunch of times when the time is right, and and I'm sure you'll convince him. It won't be a problem. Um, okay, all right. No, no, I'll let you do it. Okay, I'll do it. I'll do it for you. That's okay. fine. Um, <laughs> now look, obviously I'm not talking about this year. Maybe even not even the year after. But at one point, like ten years ago, you had told me about the idea of playing an outdoor game on the beach. That was something you wanted to do long before the game at Dodger Stadium ever took place and I'm just curious do you still uh, have that idea in the back of your head at some point maybe a Kings Ducks game on the beach
3: it it could be a great visual It certainly would be very special I think the one thing that we gotta be careful is like if it's windy and a bunch of sand ends up on the ice it's Mm. a big it could be a problem Mm -hmm. but it's definitely something we've entertained and we've discussed between us and the Ducks Actually, I, it was probably two, three years ago. And, you know, I could see it maybe being like a pre preseason game or two, mm-hmm. where it could be a lot of fun. You know, you just do a big event like outdoor, and you, you can't have a lot of seating. Do you remember the setting that we had uh, in Vegas when we played there in 91? It could be the same type of look or feeling, you know? So, I don't know. It's something we'd look at, but it's certainly a long ways away. We haven't talked about it for the last few years, that's for sure.
1: All right, so um, what about this? let's let's look ahead to sort of this season and the next season, I, I guess that's what we're calling them now. but when the team was winning at the end of last year, there was a lot of there was a lot of buzz that started to, to you know to, to gain momentum when they were on that winning streak. And I'm just curious, do you still have any sort of that of, of that buzz for you personally wanting to carry that excitement over? or has it just been so long now that for you, you know kind of as a fan watching the game, watching the team, are you just excited to have hockey back and last season is so long ago you can't even remember?
3: Well, you no, know, we we clearly remember last season. I, we we went back like uh, you know, we had so much time and we studied those games. And it wasn't it wasn't luck, you know. It wasn't that the other teams were playing bad. It was like really our guys, the way they were playing. We gave up less chances across the crease, and uh, obviously our both of our goalies were playing well. Uh, the kids were were kind of brought like a certain boost, but they were helping us. You know, with our possession and so forth. So, it's going to be uh, interesting to see how we start this year and how we go because you know those those are the guys that were that were playing. So, you know, obviously, that's I'm looking forward to it to giving a chance to play. It's not a full season, but like a a uh, this type of season, and it's going to be a lot of games and not that many days. So, it's going to be good for them experience wise to to get. To, to get this amount of game in that short
0: of a time for those guys. Well, I got a question about the roster this season. You were not aggressive in the marketplace, right? I understand when Rob said, look, we got dead cap space, we got to get through this season and then we got to make a move. But when you look at the salary that you'll expend for the season, it's the lowest in the league, it's $47 million. So it's because of COVID, are you guys on a budget with respect to player payroll? Um, or do you, if there was an opportunity in the marketplace to acquire a, a more pricey player, could you go do it?
3: No, if there's an opportunity, we, 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 would, we will make the deal. I mean, but it has to make sense for us. We, you know, obviously, we're, if we have an opportunity to acquire assets, we, we would look at it. If we, if we have an opportunity to get a player in the right uh, age uh, bracket, you know, to fit with, uh, with the direction that we're going. We'd look at it. Uh, you know, we like the Mata deal because he's 26 and uh, he's coming in with a, you know, he's won a couple cups and he's a good defenseman that you know, plays a good steady game. So, and, uh, but definitely if we, if we had the chance to, you know, that, that it can help our organization, if, we don't have any uh, anything that's just stopping us from doing anything to make the organization better.
0: Look in your statement yesterday. You said you're going to try to maximize the experience for um, the fans, even though they won't be in the building. So, so how do you do it? What's game night going to look like? Is it going to look very different than when you would have fans in the building? What, what's your strategy with respect to? Possibly entertaining the fans, even though they won't be in the building.
3: It's going to be totally different. I mean, obviously, this. I mean, it's it's strictly about the game. I think when you when you do when you when you're playing like this, it's it's about what's going on on the ice. Obviously, the people at Fox uh, Sports West have been great at working with us over the years, so we're going to try to bring uh, you know more more people into the broadcast and so forth. But you know, it's gonna be it's gonna be an adjustment. Like when when we're on the road, uh, our broadcasters are gonna be in LA, so that's gonna be different. Right. You know, different feel and different look. And I think the first thing that's most important for us is just just make sure we keep everyone safe, and we we, we find a way to play all the games. And you know, and and then after that, anything, you know, over time, if if we can adjust some things, we'll do it. But I think we we gotta play it safe at first. Make sure like the the product on the ice, everything's going great, and and then after that, I mean, we can't have anybody in the building. I mean, it's like you know we we're we're going over the protocol with the NBA, and then what we're gonna have. I mean, he even the, you know your GM sitting in the suite, you, you can't have anybody next to him. You know, you gotta be six eight yeah. feet away, and. And so we're like, well, we're going to take maybe four or five suites and just have a couple guys in each suite. (laughs) Watch the game. It's going to be totally different.
1: Now, Luke, uh, as we approach the the end of the time uh, here on the show, first of all, thank you so much for your time and and jumping on and and reminiscing with us and looking forward. We appreciate it. This is kind of like your last opportunity to break some news here. So we have Todd McClellan coming on the show tomorrow. We'll ask all of our roster questions uh, of him tomorrow. Mm -hmm. On the business side, in addition to the NHL returning on January 13th, one of the other sub stories is the fact that you can now put sponsor hel- uh, uh, advertising on the helmets of the players. And so, that's right. so is it going to be McDonald's or is it going to be Kings of the podcast? What's going to be on the front of the Kings helmets this year? <laughs>
3: Hmm, I didn't. think uh, Well, <laughs> that's a good proposition. We're going to have to talk about it. Off- offline. Off- <laughs> okay. hey, you guys logo is good. You got a good logo. Oh,
1: thank you, sir. We will. Uh, all right. You, well, answer that text quicker than the other ones. And we'll, we'll I'll have my <laughs> people talk to your people. I'll trade you a case of pops and you can put the kings of the podcast logo. How about, how about this, Luke? How about this? Uh, let's make some sort of a deal. If the team goes on like a, a, a five game winning streak, then uh-huh. in practice you put Kings of the Podcast on on a helmet. No, not at practice. How about for like a pregame? And then we could au- here you go. We could auction the helmets off for Echoes of Hope. See, it could be a it could be a money raising thing.
3: Hmm. Well, maybe we'll try with it practice first. See okay. What it <laughs> <looks like>. Okay. <laughs> and 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 I just want to make sure we're clear on it. You said a helmet. Oh, a helmet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. I, just, I just want to make sure that's what I heard first and I'm sticking to what I heard. <laughs> okay,
1: so one guy. All right, well, can I at least pick the player? I mean, come on. Let's, yeah, I don't know. Uh, We're okay. gonna have to talk, we'll see how things are going. <laughs> Luke, it's been fantastic. It's so good to have you on the program and to actually talk hockey. It's been a terrible year and uh, can't wait to get through these holidays and uh, have training camp open up on the 31st. I know we can't see you close up because you'll be you know, six feet apart, but uh, can't wait yeah. to see you at the rink again and uh, share a couple laughs.
3: Can't wait to see you guys, and uh, you guys do a great job. By the way, I know you guys keep up. You always, you know, seem to know what's going on with the organization. So I appreciate the, the passion you guys put behind everything you do.
1: Well, thanks, Luke. We appreciate it, okay. and we'll talk to you soon. Okay, guys. Okay, I... we'll see you. We'll be
3: watching our, our kids in the world next week.
1: Yes, next week. There you go, Luke Robitaille. We'll be okay. back after the break to talk some more hockey. Welcome back to the third period of Kings of the Podcast with DB and the Mayor. All right, third period. Welcome back, Kings of the Podcast. And, you know, Dennis, this is our first episode of the new season here. And, uh, you know, Luke Robitaille, not, not a bad guest to book for episode one of season two.
0: John, the only way we go high on the food chain is what uh, Dan Beckerman or uh, Phil Anchute. So yeah, it's a way to start it.
1: Well, Mr. A is not returning my text at the time. So uh, we'll we'll try to get him on throughout season two. We have a couple of other surprises lined up. But uh, before we get to that, though, just, you know, as we always like to do in the third period, uh, Dennis, quick thoughts recapping just sort of what we heard there from Luke. What were what were some of your takeaways?
0: I think he was transparent. He, he has look. the guy has so many memories and so many stories. He's a legendary player in this league, so it's great to hear us to let us uh, head hair down and uh, just convey some of those stories about you know playing on the team and you know with respect to Sandstrom and Muni was great. But I just think and he was transparent. And look, I put a tough question to him, and he was really transparent about you know the you know the ability to you know, add to assets if, if it comes to that, if they think it's the right move. It, that's uh, that's good to think, good to hear. But I, I really appreciate his transparency because he was honest and open with all the questions that we threw at him.
1: Yeah, and he also hit that point, DB, that we've talked about so many times, which is the age of that player. So it's not about right. attracting the biggest name that's available.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, It's about attracting the right player, and they're really specific on what they're looking at in the age distribution. They have the veterans on the team with, you know, Kopey and Brownie and so on, and then they have the younger players, obviously. They're looking to add a couple of more guys in that 26 to 28 range, and that age bracket is what they'll be looking for In the summer of 2021, or even at the trade deadline, not this season, but the following season, as they try to, you know, take the next step right now, they're trying to take the next step. But then if you want to call it step two, right after this step that they're trying to take right now, that's the age bracket. And he uh, he hit right on it there in his comments.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, we're talking about the president of the team. We appreciate the transparency. Yeah.
1: Um, I I did love the World Junior story. And you know what's so funny? It's like you said, he's been around for so long. At points, I feel like I've heard every Luke Robitaille story, whether it's from Luke himself or, you know, from players that have played with them. Uh, I I hadn't heard that story before. So that was a a great story about about World Juniors. And I I love the fact that, like, he's keeping score of who scored goals in the exhibition game. or They're scrimmages. (laughs) They're not even exhibition games. They were scrimmages. What do you say? Seven scrimmages, and he was the yeah. highest scorer in the seven scrimmages. So, uh, yeah, nothing gets by these guys, Dennis. They they are so... Fo- they remember everything. That's the part that always cracks me up. You ask them about a very specific true, game from John, 20 yep. years ago, and they remember exactly what... The- he remembered scoring a hat trick in that one game. It's like it's an exhibition or a, or a practice, and he remembers what, what he what did. That's
0: what goal scorers do, Jay. Come on.
1: <laughs> it's fantastic. It really... It truly is uh, fantastic. Looking forward to it. Um, it. This whole season is going to be... Uh, an interesting one, Dennis, just because, like he said, even the small details, like the GM has to sit separate from everybody else, right, because of social distancing, so everything is going to be different about it, it'll be different from the way the media covers the game, it'll be different from the way that uh, the game is presented on TV, like you were asking about, for the fans at home, it'll be different for the way that fans interact, um, but you know what? All of that is okay, right? It's yeah. Change is okay, Change. it's good, let's embrace it, and at the same time, you know what? these difficult times, Dennis, uh, they always bring some sort of innovative change. So nice. I think I think that what excites me is there's going to be something that's going to come out of this. And maybe it's in the, in the television production side. I don't know. But there will be something that will come out of this that will be a good thing, a nice innovation, and it's going to carry over into future seasons. And it's something that would have probably never been invented or never thought of because it, it wasn't it wasn't needed right everybody just keeps on the yeah. same hamster wheel but there are unique things that will that will come out of this and it'll be interesting to see what carries over uh, onto the other side in future seasons
0: see for me it's the balanced schedule john like i, I i'm like we're going to get a season where you're going to play vegas 8 times and st louis 8 times and anaheim 8 times do you really want to go back to that thursday night in march where you're playing the Carolina hurricanes or the Florida Panthers. You really want to go back to that? (laughs) I I think that's, I think you really got to look at that because all these games are going to be intense, John, Mm -hmm. right? You're playing your division rivals and, and to play more often, I don't know how you go back then. I think that you really got to look at the balance schedule and I get it. You want Sid and Gino and Ovi in your building once a year, but you know, the trade-off is you're getting teams that you have no interest in your, in your building as well. So uh, I think that that might, might be one thing. And not only that, I think the viewership will go up and, Now the NHL is bidding for a USA TV contract, so they see these ratings if they bump up because we're in the right time of year and we're getting more rivalry games played, I really think they should really look at that balanced schedule because I I think it does a disservice – To all fans, not just L.A. fans.
1: Well, you know, I'm sure there will be a segment of the fan base that won't like this, but a number of years ago, I mean, it might even be 20-plus years ago now, but if I remember correctly, there was a time when they were changing the schedule around and you played every team in the Eastern Conference. However... It was split. Half the teams were at home and half the teams were on the road. And then the following year. So you would every only other get year
0: you saw teams. Yeah, yeah
1: you would get right. you would get the Capitals in L.A. every other year. And people didn't like that for the reasons that you mentioned. They're like, hey, this is the, you know, I wanted to see Ovi. OK, well, like you said, the price to see Ovi is that you also have to see Florida, you know, uh, on a Thursday night. So it is it is a weird situation uh schedule wise you know uh, and and eight games against the ducks wow eight games against the sharks eight games against Shh. Kyle Clifford on, and the St. Louis Blues right. uh, it's going right. to be it's going to be a, a lot of fun and it's going to also have a, a little bit of a feel to the American Hockey League in the Pacific Division because the Ontario Ring, Dennis, you wouldn't know this because you won't get out there. But they play <laughs> like 42 games of their 56 game regular seasons uh, is normally scheduled against the San Diego goals. So uh, it, it, and there's nothing better than a home and home like on a Friday night here right. and then a Saturday night down there. Uh, you know, that, that does bring something up though. There was, I heard somebody the other day and I apologize. I don't remember who it was, who was saying that he thinks that one of the things that they will look at in future years is the baseball type scheduling. In other words, when a team Mm -hmm. comes to town this year and they might, you know, you might see the Kings play St. Louis on back-to-back nights or two and three days, right? Baseball style, where you go to a city and you stay there. He said, he thinks that teams will start to push for that in future years. And that just this different opponent every night type thing. It doesn't work anymore. It worked at one point in time, but now with all the travel and, and all the teams spread all across the Agreed. U.S., that it might make more sense to play games this way. And I was like, that makes tremendous sense because you, you, you know, we talked a little bit about momentum with Luke. You lose that momentum sometimes because you, you play a heated game on one weekend and then maybe you play that division rival the following night or even a week later, maybe even two weeks later. But sometimes there's like six weeks in between the games. Right.
0: Exactly, John. And, right. and all of that, momentum
1: is lost like the media tries to make a big deal about it but the players have played you know 20 games since then they don't remember they're not you know even though they remember the emotions not there the memory
0: it's a one-off John right like like Droughty and Kachuk you remember that but the heated game like you can play the next night oh I took that guy's number he really you know low bridged me in the prior game I absolutely I, I agree with you I think that's the intensity would dial up I think it's just better from a viewership standpoint that you could play two three games in a row and you know, John, like... You play a three game series and you lose the first two. Like, are you going to go all out and like try to sweep the series? or are you going to, you know, are, are you just going to rest some players or whatever? So, I couldn't agree more. I think that's the way to go. I think that's the route of the future with respect to uh, scheduling in the NHL.
1: So, again, this is going to be one of the unique things that might come out of this season that then might carry over into future years, something that might not have ever been looked at. But once you try it because you're forced to, you go, hey, wait a minute. I kind of like that. Let's do that again. So, I think that'll be interesting. Let's hit a couple of key dates here, Dennis, just because I, I'm assuming sure. that most of our listeners. Listeners by now are plugged in and and they're caught up with what's going on. But, you know, people work. They're busy. It's the holidays. They're out shopping. Maybe they're just not clear on all the dates. So training camp opens in Los Angeles on December 31st. That is three days ahead of regular training camps opening up, and that's because the Kings were part of the – I don't know, what do you want to call it? The sucky seven, the so-so seven, uh, those seven teams that didn't make the return to play group. So they will get a couple of extra days in training camp. Uh, that's great. And then the puck drops on January 13th, 56 games. Uh, like you said, eight games against the other seven teams in the the West, which apparently is going to be renamed at some point, or that might be the name. I'm not sure. Um, the trade deadline, It's it's weird to even talk about the trade deadline, yeah. <laughs> but the trade deadline is April 12th. So I guess that's kind of good, Dennis, that the puck drops January 13th, and then we don't really need to worry about anything until April. Just
0: let them play. That's really interesting, John. Three weeks before the season ends is when the trade deadline is. That never happened before, so that's going to be really interesting.
1: Uh, is it three weeks? Uh, it's about there, yeah. I guess the end of the regular season is May 8th. Uh, so, yeah, and the trade deadline still, though, April 12th. I mean, that's right around Easter, so uh, it's just strange, weird. Um. Then the expansion draft, which we can do many shows on later, the expansion draft will be July 21st. Of course, they're expecting that the cup will be awarded by July 15th. So then right after the cup is awarded, everything's going to go bang, 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 bang. You're going to do expansion draft on July 21st. NHL draft, July 23rd, July 24th. So that's the end of July. And then you're going to have the free agent frenzy will start on July 28th, I guess, with the whole hope of being done by August 1st. And then a quick month off. Uh, and then get back onto a regular calendar, which is training camp opens up about a week after Labor Day, and then the regular season opens up the first week of October. That's the plan uh, for the fall. But for right now, Dennis, January thirteenth, uh, it, it's gonna it's gonna be here before we know it.
0: Oh yeah, we're gonna blink. It's gonna be you know, they be dropping the puck for real, which is uh, I can't wait, man. I think this season is gonna be exciting. I think it's gonna be intense, and uh, we'll see how uh, the Kings fare.
1: I want to give my retort to your article by the way I love I love your article uh, articles typically, uh, a lot of good information, well thought out. but I do have to disagree with you. so your you I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll tell you what instead of me recapping, why don't you just give your premise and then I will respond to it So your new article on the fourth period says what?
0: Um, the elevator pitch to my article is saying this is a unique season. This is a laboratory. it's 56 games. And I get not wanting to ruin or spoil your youngster, especially. And this is more specific to uh, Byfield and Kaliev, because they they have limited options with respect to their age. They can't go to the AHL. Um, there is some talk that there's going to be no AH, OHL season. I advocate even there was, like because of a taxi squad and because it's limited travel and because it's 56 games. Right now, the OHL is going to play 40 game season. I I think that this is the opportunity they can seize to keep those two players with this team, the entire season. And I get the, you want to protect the assets and these two guys will take up two spots in the, I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. I think this is a unique opportunity to keep your eyes on it because if there is no OHL season, where do you park these players? Do you really want to send them to a second tier league in Europe? Like this is and not only that, I think Todd's tired to here and, oh, they have great prospects. And it's, Todd's been here a year and a half. Give him the keys to the Ferrari. Let him wind out the entire six gears and see what you get. And the guy I'll use with respect to Byfield is Kirby Doc. Mm-hmm. Kirby Doc was treated with kid gloves in Chicago last season. Okay. Um, he started nine ten months, uh, nine, 10 minutes a night. By the time we got to the playoffs, he was playing 20 minutes a night as a 19-year-old against the Edmonton Oilers. So, I get the understanding, and I don't think they're going that route. John, you know I've been more aggressive with respect to like, bring a, the prospects forward. I think this is a very unique season and a unique opportunity to enhance the development and maybe even speed it up for those two particular players and just play the younger kids in general. All
1: right. Well, a couple of points here. First off, let's always remember that Quentin Byfield is the youngest player sort of in his draft class. So he just turned 18 years old in uh, August. So he's he's very much a youngster, more so than some of these other kids. That's that's a very important point. Number two, I need to parse this out to make sure that I understand it. Are you saying let Byfield let's let's pick him specifically. Are you saying let Byfield stick with the club and be part of the taxi squad, per se? Or are you saying, let him play and burn a year off of his ELC? Because those are two entirely different things.
0: Yeah, I I would let him play, because... Because I don't believe that if you're not eligible to go to the AHL, you can be on the taxi squad. You can't. So you'd have to be on the twenty-three man. But roster.
1: that and that's the plan. So let's talk that through for just a quick second for the listeners. Because the the, the basic easiest way to think about the taxi squad, from what I understand and talking to a number of different people, is that it's it's like having another American League affiliate. So all the normal right. rules that apply in terms of waiver eligibility and age Correct. eligibility, etc. So. If you can't send the player to Ontario, you can't send him to the taxi squad, right? So for that stand- right. from that standpoint, Byfield would need to be... Uh, part of the LA Kings roster. And you can do that because with a normal 23-man roster, you do have scratched players every night. So you could have right. a player on your team the entire year and just scratch him every single night. And uh, it, it, you would still have enough players to, to to start the game every night because you you can scratch a player, right? So you can do that with Bifield. So that, that's why I was asking that very specific question. Technically, he would be on the NHL roster. He wouldn't be on the taxi squad. That's technically, right? However... There's two different scenarios. Seven games is the key. If he plays right. a seventh game, then you burn a year off of the entry-level contract. So if you play him six games or less, the contract slides to the to the next year. So Correct. could you keep the player on the NHL roster, only play him six games, and not burn a year off the contract, but he still is with the club and he's practicing with them. And, uh, you know, basically he's on the taxi squad, uh, regardless of what technically you're doing from a filing the paperwork with the league perspective. That's one scenario. And I would be in favor of that. And I will tell you that... Basically, from what I understand, is what the Kings are planning on doing with Byfield and Kaliev uh, if they don't get more clarity on the situation with the Ontario Hockey League. They don't need to hurry up and make that decision today, um, but they don't intend, from what I understand, they don't intend to send those players overseas and let them play. They want to keep them within their own development group, whether that's an age uh, uh, exception or exemption for the AHL this year to let them play with that group if that's possible or to keep them on the taxi squad via the NHL roster, whatever. They want to control the development of these players. What I'm not in favor of, Dennis, is the burning of the contract. I think that's foolish. I think that this is a team that was in cap hell in and around the years that they were trying to win the cup and at coming out of the cup. And you need to really be respectful, uh, not you, but you know, teams need to be respectful of giving away those free agency years because these young superstar players, they get paid much quicker now. This is one of Dean Lombardi's big gripes. They get paid much earlier now than they ever have before. And their second contracts are for huge money. And with the number of prospects that they have coming, they really need to hold on to mm-hmm. that. And there's really nothing to gain At this point, at this point in time, the Kings aren't expected to be in a playoff position by most accounts, right? So... You know, if, if Todd sees something in these players and he thinks, hey, I want to let them go, I, you know, turn my Ferrari loose because they're going to give us a better chance to win and it's, it becomes more about winning, you know, that's a different story. But you're also giving up assets in certain cases to do that. So you might have to put a guy like a Michael Amadio or an Austin Wagner uh, or a Trevor Moore, you know, on waivers in order to make that happen. And And that might be okay. But the part about burning the contract, I'm not okay with. I think you need to save it for a full 82-game season.
0: I disagree. I, you know, the consequence of burning that year comes up three years from now or four years from now. And most of these players, maybe they get paid. Look, if, if Quinton Barzell in year four is a superstar and needs to get paid like M- Mitchell Marner or Matthew Barzell, you sign for that today. So to me, that's very little consequence. With respect to losing assets, there's 72 free agents right now. Like, if they lost a winger, they could sign Justin applicator a 700 grand deal, and have another forward. They could bring back Trevor Lewis. So, the the, the risk of the assets with respect to the players you named wouldn't care. I agree with you. me. So, to, I I, so I, that's to me, I said I'm fine with that. Go ahead. Yeah. So, to me, like, if if this kid is truly one of the best 12 forwards on the team this season, and and he he gets to c- compete against NHL players. I'm all for it. My point is, don't look at birth certificates. I don't care that he's 18 years old. Like, the, the Blackhawks didn't care that Kirby Doc was 19 years old. He was the third overall pick. And now he's a star player. He's going to be a star. And this kid's going to be a star, too. If he's good enough to play, play him. Like, mm-hmm. to me, the consequence, I, I look at it differently. I don't think every single Kings prospect is going to get paid like Marner and Matthews. Right? But I feel might. Mm-hmm. Like, Bionford might, maybe they get another big high draft this year, and that person might get, but, but I can't worry about that four years from now. Like, I'm worried about today, and I agree with you. I think we're on the same page with respect to the development, John. Like, to be with this team in a shortened season, and if he does play, you're not going cross-country, you're not going on these long road trips, and he gets competition. And not only that, John, the fact that McDavid and Drysaddle and all these other big-time centers are out of the, in, in the Canadian division – I think you can you can pick your spots with him. Like he could, I think he can compete against Arizona centers or Anaheim centers and hold his own. Sure. Maybe not as the second line center. Sure. But maybe as a third line center. So th- there's my, my point was is that like this is a unique opportunity to keep this kid here and Kelly up to. And, and develop an under the, the eyes of the organization. And I think it's really going to benefit. And so hopefully they'll seize that opportunity. Cause I think we're on the same page with respect to how they want to play the season with those kids.
1: Yeah. I, I do believe that they're going to figure it out and find a way to keep these two players. And it is because of the unique situation right. because the plan were,
0: yeah, yeah. all summer game long season. Yeah.
1: Yeah. The plan was to let them go back to the Ontario league. That was the plan all along. Uh, but right. that, that plan might change and it might be time to pivot now. All right, TB. Another fantastic episode. Can't wait. We'll be back at it tomorrow. This is the, uh, the first of three episodes to kick off Season 2. We'll be back tomorrow with Todd McClellan. Until then, everybody, have a great day, and we look forward to talking to you soon.
2: At Macy's, get great deals on fashion and home essentials. Update your wardrobe with 20% off new spring shoes and sneakers. And 20 to 50% off fresh looks for him and her. Plus, transform your space with Luxe Hotel Collection Bedding, now 40% off. And Macy's Star Rewards members can earn on every purchase except gift cards, services, and fees. More at macyscom Star Rewards. Savings off sale and clearance prices, exclusions apply.